Ache Willow Special episode Q&A with J.F. Dubow So you've listened and hopefully enjoyed the introductory season of Aquilo. You've gotten to know Miriam Dufour and the other citizens of this strange and wonderful town. But while you wait for season two, how do you get your fix of Aquilo? I am Amy Frost, the voice of reason here at Aquilo, and I am joined by the writer of wrongs, J.F. Dubow. We're here to answer all your questions about Aquilo, the writing, the recording, the baking, and the raccoons. Of course, we can't reveal all the secrets of Aquilo, but we can do our best to whet your appetite while you wait for the next course. JF, hello. Welcome to the microphone. Hello. You haven't done this very often. Or not in a while. It's nice to Not in a while. Thank you. So we got an awful lot of questions from our listeners about Aquilo. A surprising amount. Yeah. Do you want to just dive in? Should we just dive in? We should just dive in. There's a lot to cover, and I want to make sure we have enough time to pay, uh, give proper respect to every question. All right. So here we go. Our first question comes from Becca, and she asks, did you ever work in a coffee shop? I did, and a lot of the references and characteristics are spot on. I have not worked in a coffee shop, but I spend an awful lot of time there. And I've made a lot of friends from various baristas that um, that I've known. Like I, I will often find a coffee shop and go there for months on end while I work on a project. And so I, I tend to observe and do my research. And although I don't like talking to strangers, when I do have a question such as, hey, what's the worst customer or weirdest customer you've ever had? I will ask it because um, getting those answers are worth the discomfort. Not <laughs> Becca also asks, I don't know much about horror and hauntings. Is salt really supposed to shield people? Salt circles, while magic and protection circles are fairly common, and the salt thing is almost pedestrian in a way. It's basically magic circles can be drawn out of chalk, out of salt, out of a variety of different things, depending on purposes or beliefs. And the salt circles seemed to me to be the easiest to choose from so that people would get sort of the popular cultural references because you, we've seen this in like in shows like Supernaturals and other in other supernatural novels that salt circles are supposed to keep demons out. And I wanted something that people could sort of recognize so that they would get the, the, the supernatural hints uh, of seeing those things in, in the story. Joe asks, what will be different about the newly rebuilt Aquilo Cafe? That is one of those questions that I don't want to give too much away. Right. There's a lot is going to be different in the sense that it's going to be described as more modern. Mm -hmm. It's the, the reason why the Aquilo Cafe gets rebuilt is obviously sort of a parallel of it ending up in, in new hands being in Miriam's hands instead of Doris's. So it's been modernized to sort of fit how she sees things. And she has some leeway to move it in, in a direction that she wants, but it's going to be easier to describe at this point, what will remain the same. And for that, it's, it's 
mostly the things that we've kind of come to know and love of the Aquilo Cafe, Cafe, the, um, the, the, the coffee machine, the spoon ornaments, and obviously the, uh, the national divide. I have a question for you that I think yes. you can probably answer. Mm-hmm. Joe is asking, does Miriam have any ink? So uh, as we mentioned, she's talking about, it's one where she's talking about like cuts and burns, right? There was a scene and, uh, and she mentions that she doesn't want to take any, uh, anything away from the purposeful marks that she has. Uh, she does have some, not much. Uh, I think what we settled on, I don't think this is a spoiler of anything. Uh, I think what we settled on was that she had gotten herself uh, a tattoo as sort of a, a marker of when she was accepted into cooking school. So it's yes. like her little, her little, here we go. Uh, and that's all for now. Yeah, we've gone has. back and forth on what it what it is. Yeah, yeah, we that's... have a vague idea, but we've gone back and yeah. forth. Joe also asks, is Helen Edna, notary public, a notary in both the U.S. and Canada? She is not. She is certified to uh, practice in Canada, but she mm-hmm. does have a she does have a counterpart in the U.S. that we haven't met Ooh. yet. I look forward to also saying her name like that. <laughs> Benjamin asks, is the Inquisition a multinational deal? If so, do Orléans and Alessandria have counterparts? Orléans and Alessandria have counterpa- con- counterparts all over the world. However, <laughs> the Inquisition is a multinational, I have to say, transnational, pan-national, they transcend yeah. boundaries. Um, right. They, they answer only to the church and they only answer to their particular branch of the church, which does not follow what we as common citizen uh, would understand and recognize as the Catholic Church. <laughs> ben also asks, will Miriam be getting her own spoon or will she continue to use Doris's? For the time being, she's still using Doris's because, well, I don't want to go into spoiler territory, but she's using Doris's because that's what she's got. Um, That's the spoon that she has in hand. The spoons are, we've described them as being sort of the wands more on a a sort of a conceptual level more than they hold any particular power, although they may. That's still up in the air as far as listeners are concerned. Mm -hmm. But this isn't... This isn't like Harry Potter, where if you've got enough money, you can get a really, really powerful spoon. Um, <laughs> magic in Aquilo is a lot close. It's, it's a lot more tied to to intent and experience, and and things in Aquilo are forged out of their history. So right now, Miriam is using Doris's spoon as well as the history behind it until she starts forging her own so becca has a question that is i think more in your uh, in your area of expertise mm-hmm, mm-hmm. can we get a copy of all the recipes the short answer is yes eventually <laughs> so we we did put out one um for the orange honey poppy seed cake um which a lot of you have baked, and I am very pleased, and I love when you uh, share your pictures and you tag us with the uh, Aquilo hashtag and demons and baking. There are more coming. 
Um, I believe that the pistachio petit four are probably going to be next. And as the um, we're we're sort of we've done a lot of things this season, sort of on the fly, because we didn't necessarily know how things are going to go. Uh, this next season will be a little more organized in that things like I will have a list of all the recipes mentioned prior to the beginning of the season so that we can get started on that sort of thing earlier this time around. Uh, but yes, eventually there will be copies of most, if not all, of the recipes. Linda asks, I was curious about when in the timeline the holiday special was set. Is it supposed to be after the first season, but before the second or later? So this is actually something that a lot of people have asked. And uh, when we do something out of timeline again, we will make it significantly clearer from the get-go. Uh, this uh, The holiday special is Miriam's first holiday season in Aquilo. So um, the the season one takes place in the, in the early summer, um, heading towards fall. And... The season two will be the following spring. And so the holiday special takes place in between those two. Heather asks, can we expect an Aquilo cookbook? Ooh, expect? How about hope? Can we can we say hope? We can hope for an Aquilo cookbook. A lot of that depends on you, our listeners, and, and how our community grows. Um, but that is definitely something that we would love to do. We'd love to have a cookbook with a lot of additional details in it, a lot of little extras and things like that. And I think that's that's definitely been sort of one of our pie-in-the-sky dreams from the very beginning. Heather also asks, will Aquilo ever be in print form? Obviously, as a writer, I would love to be able to have Aquilo be in, in a print format. The same way as the cookbook is it's the kind of thing that sort of depends on listenership. Um the there's a much clearer path to Aquilo being in print form, which kind of goes hand in hand with a cookbook. Both of them are dependent. Like if we get enough listeners, uh, we can. It's it becomes easier for us to sort of leverage that listenership into getting the the publishing deals we need. Uh, as someone who's already been published through a sort of crowd voting system for my uh, my previous books. Getting Aquilo published by my current publisher would be possible with the right kind of support, um, and and when we when we start getting close to that, obviously we'll we'll let it be known to our listenerships, and hopefully you guys will be on board to to help helping us achieve that. So Heather also asks, do you get as hungry writing and or recording Aquilo as the fans do when listening to it? Um. Sometimes I definitely do, um, especially the holiday special, right? Because that's like, first of all, it's twice as long. And it there is so it's there's George R. R. Martin levels of food discussion in that episode. And yeah, it's mouth watering a lot of the time. More often, though, the thing that gets me is I wind up scaring myself, uh, like especially when I get real low and I'm talking about the demon creeping up to the door of the Aquilo, and then I have to immediately stop and look behind me and make sure that he's not there. Uh, what about you? You get hungry? Aside from I, the fact that you're always hungry? Yeah, that was going to be my answer. <laughs> I, Sorry. Because that's my, that's my secret. I'm always hungry. I No, I, I, I don't get more or less hungry writing Aquilo. Um, 
I'm to be honest, whenever I'm writing, I'm always drinking co- coffee or or having a snack anyway, so it kind of works out for me. Mm-hmm. There you go. So, one more question from Heather. What surprised you most about this project? I think for me, a lot of the surprise came from which characters I really like the side characters that I really wound up falling in love with, which I guess is probably all of them, if I'm honest. But I mean, because Miriam, Miriam, obviously, I have a strong connection with. I am her voice. I am her connection to you, the listener. And so obviously, she and I share an awful lot. Um, But like, there are there are so many great little characters that pop up. And I think that that that's been really surprising and trying to give them all their own sort of space and personality has been a major challenge for this and one that I hope to get better with in the next season. What about you? I'm I'm going to say that the biggest surprise has been Helen Edna, Notary Public. Helen Edna, Notary Public. In that I <laughs> did not expect her to be such a popular character and such an interesting character to the listeners. She has a fan base. It is odd. <laughs> I mean, in a way I'm I'm very happy because it it sort of means that I have I can go to my grave saying I've made a notary interesting. <laughs> I'm so sorry to anybody that worked it's a notary. <laughs> I'm not good at paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> Malia asks, uh, why did you decide to make Miriam so young? I keep thinking that she's in her late 20s or early 30s because it seems like she's had a bit of life experience. Then there'll be a reminder of just how young she actually is. And even though I already knew she was young, I still find myself feeling surprised. That's actually the most challenging thing about writing for Miriam because Miriam is a character that's created specifically for Amy to read. But at the same time, she's created to be sort of going through a bit of a a transformation in the coming of age. But while most coming of age stories are about you know a, a, a child growing up and, and maturing, Miriam's already an old soul. So while she is young, she's, this is stuff that we're going to learn going on, but she's been through things. She has this, she starts the story of Aquilo already kind of beaten down and and trying to build herself back up. So it's, it's all these things are kind of contradictory, but the reason, the reason I made her so young is because I wanted room to work with. I wanted her to have a lot of distance age-wise from Doris. I wanted to play with the difference in the uh, age of adulthood between Canada and the United States. So there's there's a lot of really tiny reasons, but it boils down to just where I wanted the characters to start and where I wanted to take her in the long term. Ryan asks, how did Aquilo get its name? So, um... Again, we're going to like skirt around spoiler territory here. So Aquilo is named for the mythical Aquilo tree. If you go back through um, a lot of our social media, like on Facebook and Instagram, you can find a poem about the Aquilo tree. Um, it's, it's not a nice tree. 
I'll say that much. Um, and it has some very powerful mythology. But of course, there's no such thing as an Aquilo tree. Jen asks, what is your favorite scene slash character to write slash perform? Obviously, I'm asking for your, uh, your opinion on the mm -hmm. performance. Mm -hmm. So I absolutely fell in love with performing the Inquisitors. Orleon in particular is one of my favorites. Um, he's also one of the more out there characters that I did, which it's always been a balance between overdoing it. Um, but with the Inquisitors, I don't have to worry about that quite so much. So Orleon has always been sort of my favorite character uh, to perform, especially when he's contrasted with Alessandria, because that's like, I'm sure watching me do it is just manic because I swap back and forth between the two of them. Um, but I I think for my favorite scene, I've had a lot of them. Um, but the finale for me, that very last scene when like right after um, Gulliver shows up and, and is going to take the boxes upstairs and Helen Edna is all surprised. Like I, I sobbed recording that. Uh, I have a lot of outtakes of me just trying to like get through it. Um, and it meant like that was awesome for me because it was just such a, like it's such a culmination of so much work between the two of us. And, you know, I, I just sort of, you know, wanted to give everything for that, you know, that last final scene and and end big. And I think that was probably my favorite. What about you? My, I think my favorite character besides Miriam to write would be would be Olivia. Uh, Olivia Fig <laughs> and and Henry Fig have so much unspoken mythology and history that mm -hmm. we've barely scratched the surface on. That whenever I write them. All of that is in the back of my brain while I'm crafting their behaviors, especially Olivia's behaviors. And as as the character who is kind of Miriam's first best friend in Aquilo, she's she's a lot of fun. She's interesting. As for my favorite scene, <laughs> uh when the Inquisitors trashed Aquilo. <laughs> you were so excited. <laughs> I it is it's one of the first scenes that I came up with that I, I mean, once I did the outline, I knew that scene would be there and it's one of the first scenes I really had a clear idea of how I wanted all the beats and all the emotional tension to play out. So when I got to write it, it was a, it, it was first first of all very cathartic like it was finally I got there finally I could I get to do this but also as much as the original Aquilo is still my creation I was kind of eager to get to a point where the Aquilo flips to being Miriam's and and that is that is the scene that kind of sets these you know these, these final events and motions so I, I was I was happy I I knew where this was going to end up for Miriam so I was happy to get it started. So Becca has a question specifically for you. Do you love to bake? I do love to bake. I I love to cook in general. I'm not as proficient or experienced as Amy is, 
but I do I do come from a family that loves eating. Uh, my mom is an incredible chef. She is a very talented, very knowledgeable cook. So, but baking is is isn't my favorite thing to cook. I like I like to mostly do things that involve sauces. Joe asks. Does Miriam Dufour have low-sodium recipes? I mean, presumably, if the raccoons keep stealing her salts. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think I think that um, Miriam has a lot of everything. She's got a pretty broad knowledge base to begin with and then her own natural aptitude so that even if she doesn't, quote-unquote, have a recipe... Uh, if called to do so, I have no doubt that she could make the proper adjustments. Yeah, I think if you were to ask Miriam directly, her her answer would be, I can cook anything. Yes. <laughs> who inspired your baking and who is the best baker you know? Um, well, my baking comes, uh, as I mentioned earlier, from my mother. And she she is the best baker I know, although I've... I've sampled some of Amy's baking and Amy knows her thing. Um, I'm keeping it polite, obviously. Um, how about you? Who's, I mean, you're, you're more the, you're obviously more to cook. You're, you're the person I quiz when I have questions regarding mm-hmm. recipes for, for writing the story. Uh, who, who inspired you to bake? My baking also comes from my mom. Uh, She always used to make us the most epic birthday cakes. Um, And as someone whose birthday is in the middle of July um, and is from a time when central air conditioning was not prevalent, um, this was no small feat. I have a very clear memory of one that she did. She made me Rainbow Bright's Castle. Um, and used things like coffee cans and and like other sized tins to make all like the towers and stuff for the castle. Like there was no like I'm gonna go buy Rainbow Bite Rainbow Bright's castles uh, cake pan and just do it. Like she would she would go all out. It was awesome. Uh, and in terms of the best baker I know, I mean I can give the Miriam answer and say it's me, but it's not. I think I'm. I mean, I know a lot of great bakers. Uh, the one I'm like constantly surprised by or impressed by uh, is actually our listener Heather. She um, she's always doing something like, and she's one of those people that's just like, oh yeah, no, I just you know, I just gonna whip up some croissants today, just you know, like you do. Like that's madness. Delicious. Just whip that up. Yeah. Delicious madness. Joe asks. What's the airspeed velocity of an unladen Canadian goose? Well, Canadian geese have an average speed of about 40 miles per hour when migrating, but they can go up to 70 miles per hour. Um, I'm using farm measurements instead of good old kilometers per hour. Yeah. So, yeah, they're fast. (laughs) I was surprised by these numbers. That's fast. Yeah. You don't want to mess with the Canadian goose. Don't mess with Canadian geese. No. Don't. So Heather asks, just how many pancake-based holidays are there? So I know specifically of two. Uh, the first being uh, Chandelier, which is Candlemas, uh, which is February 2nd. And the second being Shrove Tuesday, which is the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday. Those are the two specifically pancake-based holidays that I know of. But 
I'm willing to accept more into my life. Uh, so if anyone knows of any, please do share. But those are the those are the two high holy days for pancakes. I'm I'm comfortable with m- any dessert based holiday. <laughs> and Benjamin asks, does Miriam now have a line item specifically for Salt Circle around the Don's dumpster? Presumably, uh, Doris did. So one would assume that that carries over. Um, and I mean. Salt's an important ingredient, but quantity-wise, you don't need all that much. So I'm sure that most of the stores are just for the Don and his salt circle. That's not something you want to run out of at any time. Well, considering that the Don has, in the first season alone, I think he's stolen three boxes. Mm -hmm. And Miriam had those boxes lying around. Yeah. Clearly, she's got stock of it. Yeah. And it doesn't go bad, so there's there's no reason not to have way too much. Exactly. Just in case of demons. I, I use a lot of salt, personally. Or brine. Speaking of the Dawn, there's obviously more than meets the eye to the Dawn and his clan, Doug asks. Will we learn more about them in season two? Yes. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Very concise. Doug asks, is their extraordinary nature common for Aquilo, or are there outside forces at work? These raccoons are not purely this way because they live in Aquilo. However, they would not be this way if they did not live in Aquilo. Is that cryptic enough? I thought that was good and cryptic. It's good and cryptic. Good, good. Jen asks, raccoons, shape-shifting aliens, or regular raccoons experimented on by a mad scientist? Neither of these are correct, but the closest one would be regular raccoons experimented on Mm -hmm. by a mad scientist. Yep. Jen also asks for teasers for next season. I can give a tiny, tiny teaser. If you've listened to the teaser uh, segment for, uh, for season two, I introduced two new characters, and they are named, respectively, Agnes and Peter. And I am very excited to write for them because mm-hmm. I love them. They're fun. Um, I guess another teaser that we could get, like, uh, from a thematic standpoint, season two is it's it's a bit of a heavier season now that we've now that we've settled, uh, we, we've made our bed in Aquilo. Uh, we kind of have to sleep in it, and it's yeah. uh, it's it's. It's a horror story, so it's it's uh it's a we're, we're gonna have some nightmares, and some of them are not as supernatural as we want them to be, and others are totally supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I have a question: How can I, as a listener and fan of the show, support Aquilo? Well, here's the thing: as a man who works in marketing, I cannot tell you enough how much rating and reviewing a show, specifically on Apple Podcast. Even if that's not where you listen to the show, how much that helps. It, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's all a question of algorithms. It's a question of getting noticed. The more reviews, the more good reviews, and the higher our rating on Apple Podcasts, the, the more frequently it comes up when someone is just doing a search for, hey, I'm looking for a story podcast, or I'm looking for a podcast that's like these other podcasts. Um, so... If you can do, and it costs nothing to do, you just go to Apple Podcast, you search for Aquilo, and you just rate it and review it. 
not a penny comes out of your pocket and you've helped us more than you can imagine. You can also so follow us on social media. Um, I'll let Amy give the social media. Info <laughs> she knows that stuff by heart. So we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the username Aquillow. It is very easy to find. That's A-C-H-E-W-I-L-L-O-W, in case anybody doesn't know. And the the social media thing doesn't necessarily do much, except like allows your friends and family to see that you are listening to Aquillow, and they might also be interested, and it helps spread the word, but also helps you be part of the Aquillow community, helps you see when we put out material that's not in the podcast, um, and just keep up with what we're doing and, and what's going on in Aquilo. We also have a coffee. That's K-O-F-I slash Aquilo. Uh, if you wanted to toss us a couple dollars to buy us a cup of coffee. We've had a very generous outpouring so far ever since we launched it. And this is going to allow us to make some pretty much needed upgrades before next season uh, to the website and that sort of thing. So we are very grateful to all of you. Um, and yeah, if you would, if you would like to join in, uh, and toss us a couple bucks, that's KO-FI slash Aquilo. Well, we're not ready to announce anything yet. We have reached a threshold for the number of listeners that is going to allow us to do some more cool stuff outside the show itself. So that's why the whole social media thing is kind of important. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you've seen the prototype for the Aquilo branded spoon that we are going to be raffling one off amongst the people who asked us questions here. Um, but we're also looking at doing some other cool things and we have just wild ideas. Uh, one of the things we got <laughs> oddly excited about is we wanted to do an Ellen Edna notary public branded pen and notepad. Obviously we're, we're thinking about t-shirt ideas, uh, having an apron much like, uh, like Doris's apron with the Aquila logo on it would be really cool. I know I would want one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been thinking about a recipe journal and just, just, there's so many ideas for fun things and it's not so much about selling it as much as I just want it for myself. Yeah, I just want it for me. And so if we could get to a point where we can like make that stuff happen so that I can have these things, I'm down with it. Right. And I, I, I feel that Aquilo, with, with your voice, um, basically telling Miriam's story, is it's one of the most exciting projects I've worked on in the last ever. Well, ever since I've started writing on a on a semi professional basis, as much as I love everything that I write, if there's one project that I see that has very long legs and could go far, it's Aquilo, and I hope that happens. I do too, because every now and then, uh, uh, every now and then I'll just get a message that says, all right, so like in some season we should do this. And so I think the way, the way we've gone right now, we've got at least like two years worth of ideas. So we got to keep this train rolling. Yeah, no, essentially assuming two seasons a year, two or three seasons a year, we've got two or three years, uh, already kind of, I wouldn't say planned, but We've got ideas for for a little while. And fortunately enough, the second season is coming out very soon, April 9th. Yes. I'm very excited about it. I'm surprised. Maybe that's the part about this project that surprised me the most is how much I've missed it since the season ended. As as much work and as stressful as it can be, uh, not sitting down to record as Miriam is... uh, 
I miss it a lot and I can't wait to get back to work. I've started writing the new episodes and it very much felt like coming home. I it it very much like putting on putting on that old apron that's just hanging mm-hmm. at the door next to the kitchen and firing up the oven and starting to uh to mix some uh, some water and flour and eggs, making some bread. Just warm. I like it. I'm uh looking forward to hearing you speak those words again. So season 2 coming April 9th. Uh thank you everyone who sent in questions. This was incredible, uh, and I am sure that you will hear from us soon. Aquilo is written by J.F. Dubow and narrated and produced by me, Amy Frost. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You have no idea how much it helps. Want to support the show? Buy us a coffee. Visit ko-fi.com slash to donate a cup. While you're waiting for the new season, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the username Aquilo for updates and bonus content.